In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from a church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The 2014 Double Springs Community Church Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This one is 1 Samuel 19, verse 2, and it reads like this. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. A good verse for us today because this was a known threat that um, where the victims, unfortunately, um, did not take steps to safeguard themselves. And, um, and a person was killed. The shooter was killed as well. Two people dead. And so we have to be alert to the threats to people in our church and to ourselves and to the pastor and all that kind of stuff and take those, sets, those threats seriously um, to help mitigate or reduce the chance of something bad happening. So before we continue, I do want to remind you to share this video, but more importantly, get a copy of the download. You can get this download. It's basically a summary of this program, and it gives you some talking points. So after watching this video or listening to this podcast, you can then go to your team, and you can go to staff and volunteers at your church and have a discussion about hopefully what y'all watched and all what y'all listened to. All right, so let's get into this shooting. It was early Sunday morning, February 2nd, 2014, Two sisters in their early 60s met at the Double Springs Community Church in Cookville, Tennessee. Um, there in the basement, they began getting things ready for the morning worship. One sister was a longtime member of the church. The other began coming more recently after separating from her husband. He had threatened to kill her, but she felt that she was safe here with her sister at the church. Her husband uh, belonged to a church in nearby Bloomington Springs, um, where he um, was expected to be that day. The two sisters were alone at the church at the time. Sometime before 9 a.m., the one sister's estranged husband entered the church. He went to the basement where his wife and her sister were busy. He confronted his wife and they got into an altercation. He pulled a handgun, she knocked it away, and he grabbed it again. His sister-in-law joined the fight, trying to protect her sister. In the struggle, the gun fired, hitting the sister-in-law in the abdomen. She managed to get up the stairs and as far as the front door before she collapsed. The man remained in the basement with his wife, um, who called 911. Uh, the time was 9.05 a.m. Responding officers from the county SWAT team arrived. They moved the wounded woman to safety, then entered the church. The wife directed them downstairs. They found her husband in the basement, dead from a self-inflicted gun wound. EMTs arrived and treated the wounded woman and took her to the hospital. So a little trouble at home stuff. It's, it's, the husband came from a family of 12 children, six boys and six girls, 
Two of his brothers and three of his sisters had already died. One of the shooter's brothers was married to one of his wife's sisters. This is a very small community here. Um, the couple had four sons, seven grandchildren, and a great-grandchild, leaving 17 family members to mourn the death of the killer. Uh, he was a supervisor at a food processing plant. He was 65 years old, um, and he hadn't yet retired. Uh, this this case, this shooting here, is classic uh, domestic violence spilling over into the church. Physical abuse was the reason for the separation. As in so many other cases like it, the offender went after the victim after separation. <clears throat> uh, he knew she would be with her, with her sister at the Double Springs Community Church um, before others arrived. He also knew that his sister-in-law would, would leave the church unlocked while preparing for the service. Um, he did not plan, uh, what he did not plan on was his intended victim being the only survivor. Afterwards, the shooter died by suicide in the church basement. Services were canceled for that day. His sister-in-law died a week later in the hospital. Uh, Double Springs Community Church is still in operation nine years later with the same pastor. Okay, so lessons learned here. We had... We had a domestic violence situation, right, between a husband and wife. There was a separation between the two because of that violence. And she started, you know, going to church with her sister. He knew the sister, of course, the, his sister-in-law. He knew where they went to church. He knew what the pattern was. And so he knew he could show up and, uh, and kill his wife, or in this case, attempt to kill his wife. And so it's pretty cut and dry as far as the whole domestic violence spillover. What's less cut and dry is this, is there is this known threat, right? I mean, she separated for a reason. I imagine that she certainly knew and her sister knew that he was out there, that he had a history of violence. And um, what they may have not known is when domestic violence situations, couples, you know, that are in that cycle... When the victim moves away or separates from the abuser, the risk of violence skyrockets. It goes way, way, way up. And maybe they weren't tracking that. And so and that's why they did not lock the doors once they went inside. And that's kind of one of our lessons learned is this. During the week and other times where other people have to go to the church to do something, maybe it's to set up decorations or maybe... It is to, you know, set up chairs or whatever it is. You know, they're in there and they're working alone and very few, if anybody, is inside the church. Those doors should remain locked. This includes Sunday morning. You know, the first people to arrive at church, and I'm going to talk more about that in a second. You know, they're, if, if they're there alone and they're not monitoring those unlocked doors, then they need to lock them back up. Because we just don't need strangers. Now, I know we do it for convenience, right? So we got there, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. You know, 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning before anyone else arrives. And we got to set up and get ready for the service and all that kind of stuff. And we think it's just going to be more convenient. So as people start to arrive, they don't have to unlock the door or they can just come in through the door. But that's an extremely bad idea. Because then there's this lag time from the first few people showing up to 
when the majority starts showing up um, and that, I mean, the church is really vulnerable in that time. And so we have to be keeping that door locked. Now, if we're monitoring it somehow, that somebody's standing there, or at least a camera and somebody's watching the camera, it's great to have cameras, but if you're not watching them, you're not doing any good. But anyway, we have to be locking the door. The next thing that kind of comes to mind is this. Where, were the, where was the safety team? The safety team should be there when the church opens, and they should be there for when the church closes. And so I realize that makes for a very long day, but hopefully your team's large enough that you can have at least one person, if not two people, there to unlock the church, and then two people there to lock the church. That should be the policy. So this is something you need to talk to your team, you need to talk to your staff about, you need to talk to other volunteers. You know, the church I used to go to, the worship service, they showed up way early because they were going to have some sort of practice and, you know, they had a lot to do. So they were almost always the first ones there. And they would do exactly what happened here. They would go in, they would unlock the door, and then they would start set up and they would do their little practice thing. And they were leaving the door open primarily because there was always latecomers to the worship team showing up. And so they were doing that out of convenience. But we have to solve that problem somehow. And the way we solve the problem is, yeah, you get there, leave one person at the door, and they can let everybody in as they show up. And then they also learn another thing. It's kind of like in high school or college, you know, the teachers that the bell would ring and they would shut and lock the door and you're not getting in here after this amount of time. What did that do? That forced the kids to make sure they were in the classroom before the door shut. And you can train adults that way too. I know it seems kind of silly, but we can do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's responsibility, right? I mean, we all have to be at work on time and hopefully we do on a regular basis or we're unemployed. But anyway, my point is, now I'm getting into the argument I was making with um, my leadership. <laughs> so there's, but that's the thing. We, we have to come up with solutions that are, is going to work for the worship team and is going to work for uh, the safety team and the general safety of everybody. Think about that window of time. Somebody could come in and just go hide in the bathroom or find someplace else to hide. And then they could be waiting there to, for a victim or waiting there for much, even much later for looking for other opportunities for criminal activity. And so locking the doors, keeping the doors locked during the week. I love ring doorbells. They're super cheap. You can give your secretary a, a, a ring doorbell at the door and give her, you know, and hook it up. You can sign in on your computer or sign in with your cell phone. And when delivery people come or somebody's coming for some other reason, they hit the little button, it rings. You can talk to the person right through your phone or I imagine it works on the computer too. I know you can pull ring up on your computer. So I imagine you can do the same thing, talk to them. And then you can let them in, go down there and let them in. No big deal. You know, that's just a great solution. And then as far as anyone else that's showing up early or during the week, they need to know that that door has to remain locked while they're there. Okay. And then, of course, safety teams, come on, let's get on it. We got to be the first ones there and the last ones to leave. And if we're not the first ones there and we're not the last ones to leave, then those doors are locked and the people that are there know it's their responsibility to keep that door locked 
and set the alarm and all that other good stuff they need to do. But that's pretty much it. I mean, that's pretty pretty straightforward on two action plans that we can have. I know there's going to be some negotiation for some of you with your staff and your volunteers. Have them watch this program and let them think about it. Realize that, I mean, this poor sister-in-law is dead because we were leaving doors unlocked and there was a known threat. I mean, at least, I mean, yeah. So pretty sad stuff. We need to do better. All of us need to do better to be more secure, and we can save lives, as, as simple as that. Other than that, please, like I've already said a couple times, share this video. Talk about it. Think about those, think about those moments during the week that the church is unlocked. And then think about how can we lock those doors without creating too much inconvenience, but maintain the safety that we need to be maintaining. Um, my old church, now I'm going off on another tangent, but they would have the doors unlocked all the time during the week. And for the one building, you'd walk into the door, you were in the lobby, and there's no welcome desk there. The office was actually up two flights of stairs and in an office. And so the office didn't know when anyone showed up. And they didn't have eyes on that front door, and they were just free to enter. And then what do they do? They can wander all over the building with nobody even knowing they were there. Now, ultimately, they put a chime in. That's another solution. Put a chime in, and then the secretary would stick her head out to see who was there, assuming the secretary wasn't in the bathroom or on her lunch break. But anyway, let's lock them. Um, other than that, Thank you so much for being here this week, and hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.